What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Crew Podcast. Today, I am joined by, as always, Lucas Murphy from the Beat of KC and Michael Darcy from KC Sports Report. I am Josh Fan of ShowMeFootball.com, and we are here to go in on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going to go ahead and give a disclaimer before we even start talking about anything Chiefs related. (laughs) I try to be realistic, yet optimistic and reasonable, um, but I am tired of doing that. I don't want this to be like, and I don't mean this in like a... I don't mean this in like a condescending way or anything, but like if you came here looking for like Mitch Holtis, hunky dory chiefs optimism, just click <laughs> off the video now. Network. Just click off the video right now. Yeah. Um, because that's not what I'm here to do today. Um, this was, and I was at this game and you know what, before we, again, before we start, I will have everyone know I am running on about four hours of sleep right now. Cause I went to that chiefs game, stay through the rain delay and everything finally hit the road at about 1 a.m., drove four hours home to St. Louis, um, got home at about 5, 5.30, got up, worked a double, and I was working all the way up until 9 o'clock tonight. So that's how my last 24 hours have went. So he was a working horse. That's what he does. But anyway, uh, that was one of the worst football games I've ever attended for obvious reasons. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And look, I'm going to be blunt. The Chiefs suck. They're not good. <laughs> the defense isn't good. It's and it's the issues on the defense are spilling over into the offense, as we saw last night. And I don't know. I just have so many thoughts in my mind is racing with takes on the Chiefs. But uh, you know what? I, I will say that right now, I don't I mean, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. I'm not saying they can't be a playoff team. I'm saying as it is right now. I mean, look, there are three not, lost. No, no, really there quickly, I'm not going to lie. Go ahead, go ahead. There are three lost team already through five weeks, and the schedule doesn't get a ton easier. I mean, no, no person, no fan should look at any game on the Chiefs' schedule and say that's a free win. There are no, there are no more free wins, and the the Chiefs can turn on a switch and they can beat anyone. And they're you know that that is all that ended last night. It felt like the whole Chiefs aura of being this dominant team just came to a screeching halt last night because that was a game that the chiefs i think the chiefs they acknowledged that it was an important game it felt like a playoff game when i was there i was there at the game at the stadium it felt like a playoff atmosphere and the chiefs came out and they they looked like they didn't belong in the field with the bills and i said after the game against the eagles the week prior that um, I am still concerned because you just let Eagle, the Eagles, one of the worst teams in football, put up 30 on you, and they didn't really look all that great. A lot of people said that the Bills, you know, they were just they were just running up the score on bad opponents, and they had an easy schedule. Well, that's because the Bills actually take care of mediocre opponents. When was the last time we actually put away, like truly, actually put away a mediocre team before the fourth quarter even started? Because Jets. that's what the Buffalo Bills just did to us. That's what the Bills did to us. They put us away before the fourth quarter. Um, midway through that third quarter, we were done. Now, I will say that that roughing the passer on Frank Clark kind of sucked any momentum um, that the Chiefs had left, and it was a BS call, but they lost 
because of a lot more than that. And even if they do, even if Frank Clark doesn't get called for that there, you assume the Chiefs go down and they score and the Chiefs defense gets another stop, which I think is pretty far-fetched based on everything we saw <laughs> I was in that say, game. That's a pretty big assumption at that point. But, I mean, I think the AFC West is at stake now. I mean, the Chargers look better than the Chiefs. And for everyone that thought the Chiefs still had the division in the bag and the Raiders aren't all that and the Broncos aren't all that. And I don't really think the Raiders or Broncos are true threats, but the way the Chiefs are playing, it doesn't really matter. And as Michael mentioned the last time, I think we all got together, the Broncos and the Raiders will continue to have an easy schedule for the rest of the year. So it doesn't really matter if their cupcake wins, they're still going to get wins and their record is going to be better than the Chiefs unless they can dig themselves out of this massive hole. Now, I will say real quickly, though, at the time of this recording, uh, John Gruden's been – so that's good to see. But, yeah, this, this division is really, really good. And the Chiefs, I think, are really, really good. I See, I agreed with a lot of what Josh said. I don't know if I, – I still think – okay, what is going on? Is the internet, like – Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll continue going. Then I <laughs> Lucas had to. Everyone was so quiet, but uh, I do think the Chiefs can beat anybody. They just will not beat anyone. You know what I they mean? Can like, also, I, I, they can also lose to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I they think. they have that power in which you know if Mahomes goes insane and this offense is good, they could beat anyone. But they can also lose to everyone. Like like that's just where we're at right now and you know honestly i think i think some heads are gonna have to roll really i think i think that there's gonna have yeah. to be some guys that go uh dan Sorensen looked like an old demented old man out there on the football field just trying to find something <laughs> i mean I, I just dan sorenson has got to go you know i i really think that this defense is <laughs> good no, I was just going to say, like, we'll, we'll get into the specific players and stuff like that because I've got some words to say about Dan Sorensen and the coaching staff, and I, I don't want to waste it yet because I, I want to wait yeah. until we get into that, and I want Lucas to get his first initial take into before we go on the whole tangent. But, well, re yeah. really quickly, let me wrap it up. Uh, I think I think the Chiefs' offense has been really, really bad this season. Not bad. They just don't look the same. This Chiefs team entirely does not look the same. And, you know, defensively, I, I think that something has gone terribly wrong. And I don't really understand what it was because this defense wasn't great last year, but they weren't NFL historically bad defense. Like that, that's, that's something I was not looking forward or not expecting to see. And I really don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's coaching. Maybe it's the play on the field. I don't really know, but I will tell you that the chiefs will not make the playoffs. They will not win. They will not win very many games if they do not fix this defense. Lucas, how are you going to expect this team to make the playoffs when they're giving 31 points a game? Um, I think that they still have every opportunity to make the playoffs. I don't think that being two and three is is that even that big of a concern. Guys, we're, it, we may lose the division, but we're still going to make the playoffs. Like We're, we're five games into a season that – we face the Washington football team next week. We still play the New York football giants. Like, even though you guys say those aren't easy wins, those are easy wins. 
Um, so say, but the four. Eagles, but the Eagles weren't there. an easy win. Like the Eagles weren't even an easy win for us. Like that was a game but, halfway into the fourth quarter. But like, how, you, there's no free wins. There are no more free wins. But did they win? Yes. So that's what I'm saying. We're we're still fine, guys. We we have Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. He's gonna figure it out. Like these are these are this is just growing pains of being a football team and learning. And guys, I, another thing too is. I will say the fact that two teams have figured out actually three teams have figured out how to cover this offense and it's Tampa two. It's a cover two defense, two safeties deep. And when they play that they're forcing the seams in the middle, they're forcing you between the hash marks and And they have no one that can take advantage of it. The Kansas city chiefs cannot figure that out until the Kansas city chiefs figured out how to, how to play against the Tampa two, you know, and we were still in the football game. If you take away those four turnovers, I still think we have every opportunity of winning that football game. We were about to score in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes throws a fluke interception. That's football. That happens. Okay, hold on. The, hold on. Hold on. You say it's a fluke. a fluke. You say it it's hasn't a fluke. Been a fluke. Yeah, they're the worst team in the NFL with turnovers. Like at some point, they got eleven. If they, at, yeah, at some point, we have to acknowledge maybe the Chiefs are just. They're a turnover-prone team. That's what they are. Well, that pass was legitimately like that was a football play. That wasn't just running it out of the end zone when you're not supposed to run out of the end zone and the ball getting perfectly like dislodged from Byron Pringle. Like he threw a pass and it got deflected and it just got intercepted. Like that happens. Now the Tyree kill ball, uh, that was caught that. That was a perfectly placed. Could not have been in a more perfect window, and it goes right through his hands. Did the weather play an element? Possibly. I'm not going to make excuses for him because that turned into a pick six. But take that take that aside. That takes six points, seven points off the board. I'm saying I, we were still in a, in the game against who I consider, and I wrote an article today on who I consider to be the best football team in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills are easily the most diverse, the most split down the middle, number one defense, easily a top five offense. They know what they're doing. They literally are the epitome of the Kansas City Chiefs for the last two years. They know exactly what they're doing. Like, I would be way more concerned playing the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs than I would be the Chargers. I just think that the Chiefs, they got a lot of things to figure out, and I think they will. Um, you know, I, outside, would you say Rashad Fenton had a bad game last night? I like Rashad Fenton. I think he was, he was all right. The, he was one of the Rashad. two Chiefs players that I think were, that I thought played okay. And that was I Josh think, Gordon and Rashad Fenton. Those are the two. And I truthfully, yeah, and I truthfully think the secondary outside of Dan Sorensen had a pretty decent game last night. And the reason I say that is because you, if you really look across it, Dan Sorensen gave up three receptions for 117 yards to Dawson Knox. Outside of that, outside of that, this team really did not do anything. The defense itself did not allow hardly any rushing to two running backs except for obviously Josh Allen, which that's that's an eye-opener. That's definitely something we need to look at. But if you really look at this game from a defensive standpoint, it was not the case. It was literally the four turnovers. I, I'm not concerned. I'm going to be an optimist. You know, we're going to come week whatever, and I'm going to be like, I told you guys, let's go back to the Buffalo Bills podcast, and I'm going to be that guy that was there <laughs> rooting for these this team. I just – I hope you're much. right. We really I do. Really we have do. too much on this team. We have way too much on this offense. I, like, I think there are definitely some glaring concerns, and I've stated it multiple times. If you're not applying any pressure to a quarterback whatsoever, you're making it the most difficult thing for a corner to cover a professional NFL receiver 
that is running a flawless route and you're just expecting him to be able to stay with him and give a quarterback all the time in the day. Like if we can't touch the quarterback, we're not going to be successful. And I will agree with that. Well, let me, well, let me counter let me, really quickly, Josh, let me counter yeah, ask a question. Do you think that they're going to fit? Like, how are they going to figure it out? Like, I don't think that they have the personnel to do it. Like, I, I really don't. Cause you know, usually you see a, you see a defense that maybe not be great to start off the season. Like they're still getting better. Like they suffer with injuries or they're just not fully understanding the scheme. This is the third year in the scheme. And this is historically one of the worst defenses in NFL history. Like, like how much, like, even if you do improve marginally, is it even good enough to win? Like, like that's just, that's I think the so. I really think so. Because you got to figure when did they finally click what last year or the year before? It was like week 10, and then it was just like, dang, who's this defense? But they we, weren't trash, trash up until that point, though. But they were like 25th to, to in that range, 22 to 25th. I mean, we were not anywhere close to a top 15 defense. We just were not. And Bob we Sutton, were like we were 17, right, 18. Like, we're like right where Bob Sutton type defense was at. And, you know, I joked, I joked a few weeks ago, like, do not you say know, you want Bob Sutton back. No, I'm not saying I want Bob Sutton back. Of course, I don't want him back. But I joked that, like, I miss Bob Sutton because of how our defense looked. But in all honesty, what does Steve Spagnuolo's defense have over Bob Sutton's 2018 defense? Seriously, what, what, is, what does it have over him? But here's my thing. At least I, that I, defense I, could rush the passer. I understand what you're saying. The thing is, is this goes back to, like, my initial, like, beef with Brett Veach. This, to me, this is a personnel issue. This is something that is not fitting a scheme, not being able to rush a passer and expecting seven guys to come up into the box. And, and that's how you apply pressure. You have a defense on the opposite end of the Buffalo Bills who can easily run a Tampa two and only push the front four. They're a tremendous front four, but they push the front four and find a way to apply pressure while they, all the, the rest of them, the rest of the eight are dropping back in coverage. Like to me, that right there just speaks to like if if Spags honestly had what he was wanting, which I truly believe he's wanting more, like if he wanted if Frank Clark was halfway the person we expected him to be and Chris Jones was healthy, is this game completely different? I really don't think. Well, if Frank Clark is the guy and Chris Jones is there too, but like I think yeah. I think that Frank Clark ship has sailed. But no, like I agree. if you but I if you agree. add but if you add Chris Jones even to this game, I really don't think like the overall result changes all that much. Uh, not on the edge. Not on the edge. Yeah, no. Here's what I'll say though. And look, I, and Lucas, I totally appreciate that you have a differing opinion than Michael and I because you're like the voice of reason here. <laughs> uh, but uh, disclaimer, you know, if I push back, don't be offended or anything. Not I'm at only all. doing this out of the my love for the Kansas City Chiefs. But you know, you mentioned how. This team has Mahomes. They'll figure it out. And I just feel like we've been saying that for way too long. And I've always said that this team needs to find ways to win outside of Patrick Mahomes. Please come save us because that's what they've been doing all year long. And look how it's worked up to this point. And now, now we're seeing scenarios where Patrick Mahomes, the ball is in his hands um, for the chiefs to potentially win. And even he's messing up. And where does that leave this team? I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. You know, the turnovers at this point, it's not a fluke. It's who they are. 
I'm not saying it can't change. And I really, I, I'm not do I think that the chiefs are going to keep their pace of, I, I don't even remember what it is like 50 turnovers uh, this season. Do I think they're going to actually keep up that pace? No, but it is a concern. And you mentioned also rushing the passer. You don't think this team can get to where it needs to be if they don't rush the passer. I wholeheartedly agree, but where's the help going to come from? I mean, I understand Chris Jones didn't play against the bills, but we've seen enough of this line with Jones and Clark. Where's the help on the horizon for this pass rush? But I also think you saw last night, like how many times did we force the bills into a situation where they were in third and long and then they ended up a lot of the time that resulted into a punting situation. The you know Frank- why? Cause they blitzed and yeah. I was calling for it all night. That's the thing that really quickly, I got to jump in here. If you're mm-hmm. going to play Dan Sorensen, Dan Sorensen is one of the worst coverage guys you could possibly have, but he's a damn good rusher. He's a guy that will get to the quarterback. And if you could fit him, if you still want to play him, which I don't think he should be on the field, but if you want to play him so badly, put him as a position like put him in there, put him in the box, let him get after the quarterback. That that way he's not going to get burned in coverage. And I think that that would add something in terms of pass rush. But I, I just, I think that we could see Mahomes be an MVP. Like, I don't think he's going to be the MVP, but we could see him turn it around and, and clean up the turnovers and the offense is great. But unless the defense gets better, we're going to be in, in, in 2018 all over again. I think it could be worse. Yeah, I mean, you don't have the historic offense. Let's be honest here. This offense isn't that good compared to like previous years. It's still good. There, I don't think they're as good as the 2018 offense, but through the first four weeks before this Bills game, um, they were on pace to be better than the 2018 offense. I think that's because of some circumstances and scenarios. I think that's a little um, deceiving. I don't think yeah, they're don't, better than the 2018 offense. Um, and I, and I want to hold off on talking about the offense cause I have a lot to yeah. say about the offense too, but we've been talking about the defense a lot. So I kind of want to stick with that before we get into the offense, but you know, Dan Sorensen, we brought his name up enough. Let's just, let's just get into that. I, these coaches, man, I mean, Michael, you said it, if nothing changes, heads got to roll. And honestly, I said, after that game, I don't think it's a knee jerk reaction that someone had to lose their job after that game. Even like, I don't think that's a knee jerk reaction, hot take. Like you cannot, if they come out next week against Washington and just roll out the same personnel, same scheme. And we see a lot of what we saw, even if they win, if it's like an Eagles type game where Washington scores 30 or more points and the chiefs eke out a win, like someone's got to go. I mean, that that's unacceptable, but I cannot understand how these how Steve Spagnuolo gets paid millions of dollars to run this defense. Dan Sorensen had probably one of the worst games of any NFL defender this season. And yet still, when the snap counts came out today, he played 100% of the defensive snaps. 100%. I mean, <laughs> fire specs. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like how can you? 100% of the defensive snaps for one of the worst cover safeties in the league, and he continuously got burnt over and over again. And I know I just said I don't want to talk about the offense, um, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit. It's not even really the offense, special teams. It's the whole, it's the disciplinary aspect for me. Dan Sorensen should, after halftime, and you had a whole freaking hour and a half lightning delay to figure this out that Dan Sorensen should have been benched, and he was still out there after. There's no discipline whatsoever. And I said it in my recap that I made this morning, but like, again, uh, disciplinary um, 
things that I'm concerned about. Byron Pringle, after fumbling on kick return yeah. for the second straight week, the very next kick return, he was out there again. He should have been benched. Byron freaking Pringle. It's not like it's Tyree Kill and you give him the benefit of the doubt and we know Tyree can break one off. I mean, this is Byron freaking Pringle we're talking You should about. have Tyree Kill returning kicks. If I don't you, know why you wouldn't. If you're in a desperate situation, although I don't really want him back there unless it's like, again, a desperate situation because I don't want him to get hurt back there. But I mean, you, he should have been benched straight up. And I know Andy's this guy of second chances and you don't want the player's confidence to be shot. But to me, that's teaching him a lesson. It's saying, hey, you don't like you got to earn your spot back. And I, I really I, that pissed me off seeing Byron Pringle out there again after he fumbled the last return. And it's just this team has no discipline. Um, this team, there's players on this team that have free range to do whatever the hell they want. And they still get to play. Um, even though Willie Gay was only his first game active this season, he didn't play a whole lot. But to me, Willie Gay in his first game back coming off turf toe was better than Ben Neiman. Like, you should have played Willie Gay in all of Ben Neiman's snaps. You saw I mean, it in the second half. He looked great. Yeah. I don't know. Lucas, what are your thoughts on that? Mm, I'm I'm with you guys. I was never a Dan Sorensen advocate, even when he had his clutch punting, you know, save and the ball-jarring tackle that he had on the – goal line I I still like I get Dan Sorensen has had some special moments as a Kansas City Chief but the negatives for me have always outweighed the positives and I've never been a Dan Sorensen fan I don't I just don't think that he ever really truly contributed or understood like what we truly needed and um I thought he should have been gone a long time ago this he he, he could have been and we re-signed him um it makes you zero sense. It it makes zero sense. He what he wasn't as big of a liability as he was as he is this year. Like I used to, I was a Dan Sorensen guy. The dude but came the thing up. Is, is the missed tackles have been there forever. He's Agreed. missed tackles every single year, and they people were like, "Oh, let's just brush that under the rug." Well, like those are key key tackles. Like those are big times. Like the year that we were just absolutely so atrocious in running defense. It, a lot of that can be attributed to Dan Sorensen not being able to tackle. I mean, let's—I'm just Which being honest. <laughs> and and so, but the thing is, is like you—you you guys are—I mean, Josh, you really hit on it. Like, get rid of Spags. Well, here's my thing too. It's it's very similar to a pitching coach in like Major League Baseball. You can't just terminate a coach in the middle of the season unless they're sending racist emails and stuff. <laughs> like, you just can't. somebody checks Spags' emails. Yeah, Shout out you John just Gruden. <laughs> you just can't terminate a coach like that because they don't then they have to plug somebody in there's not really an interim situation in a defensive coordinator spot i i personally don't feel um, yeah firing think, spags right now would be a bad move because you have nobody I, else i but the thing is is i think like they can find someone to fill in like it's not it's 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 not the same situation at all if the Chiefs were to fire Spags, but like, look at the Browns after they fired Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams took over and how much better they played. Sometimes when you fire a coach, it sets the tone. You make an example out of someone, it lights a fire under the team. And look, I'm not saying the Chiefs would find a good replacement for Spags as soon as they fired him. And look, if they fired Spags, it could end up making them even worse. I don't know, but I'm seeing guys through five weeks of an NFL season not knowing where to line up still. And that's a coaching issue. And he's refusing to play the best guys. And that's one of my biggest criticisms. But is it the question? We should is be it? seeing youth. 
is yeah, it go ahead. Co- is it a coaching issue? Yeah. Because he's he's the one that's implementing it, but he's not the one that's out there playing it. He can't control if Dan Sorensen okay. is just a buffoon. He can't but control Dan thing. Sorensen's on here's the, the field, thing. though. I do get that. I 100% get that. But if he if he literally is giving them everything and spoon-feeding them everything, drawing it on a dry erase board, hey, Dan, you're the X, and this is where you're supposed to be, and Dan Sorensen just doesn't do that, that's not Spags' fault. That's what I'm trying to get at. He can't help that really quickly and I've hundred million dollars. It's not just figure out how it's not just Dan though. It's not just Dan though. That's my concern is that it would be different if it's like one or two players every time messing up. Like it's the entire defense doesn't know what the heck they're doing. And I, again, last night you look, I saw Hitchens and uh, Willie and Tyron like they were telling the defensive lineman to scoot over and all this stuff up until every single play. Like no one knows where to be. It's not just Dan. It's everybody. But some of that is is adjustments based off what they're what they're coming out in in a package. So like when you see Hitchens dropping down and is telling a certain defensive lineman to hit this gap, it's because he feels that this play is being done this way. Like those are certain things that they're they're playing based off of how they come out into a formation. I think like when you see Tyron Matthew throw up his hands in like what the hell is going on, that is a position issue where Dan Sorensen's just out of place. And just has but, no idea what he's doing. Here's 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 where my biggest my biggest thing here. I'm having a stroke right now because I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I think the Chiefs have not put the right players in the right position to be successful. That's my problem. Dan Sorensen has never been a good starting safety on this team. He thrived when coming off the bench in 2019. He was fantastic because Juan Thornhill was that second wide or that second safety behind Tyron Matthew. He didn't have to have a very big role so he could come off the bench and he could make those big plays and he could do the small things. But when you put him in a, such a big role, he's not capable of doing that. And I think that you know you see that not just with Dan Sorensen, it's all around the defense. It's putting guys like Mike Dana in too big of a position. Mike Dana is not a premier pass rusher. He should be a guy that comes off the bench, gives you like 30 or 40% of the snaps, just somebody that could fill in rotational. And he's a great rotational guy. But when you're forced to be a starter, when you're not a starter, you're going to get a bad result. And that's what the Chiefs are seeing. But everything you're saying comes back to Brett Veach and applying the yeah. personnel and being able to draft and being able to sign free agents. That is ideally, when it really truthfully comes down to it, to me, that's the biggest issue. It's not Spags and who he's running out there. I think it's, again, who signed Dan Sorensen to a one-year deal? Who but- goes out and signs and trades for Frank Clark? Who goes and drafts? guys that are just trash and no longer on this team. Those compound and become an issue in years like this. We've had multiple drafts that have just been crap. We've had free agent periods that were just so atrocious that they are now compounded, and we're seeing that result because we tried to duct tape this defense together in a fashion that we – we thought we could do it with the guys we had. I was all on board for it. I still think the secondary outside of Dan Sorensen is fine. I truthfully believe that because if you're applying pressure, these guys are on the receivers. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They just have all the time in the world to 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 catch a pass, and so they have to stay with those guys. I mean, to me, it comes down to Brett Veach not being able to do his job. And if you're talking about rolling heads, 
I think he would be one that we need to start looking at because, yeah, cool, he won us a Super Bowl. We've gone to the playoffs. But the thing is, is now you're about to start having – how is he going to handle Orlando Brown? How is he going to handle the Honey Badger? Are you going to get rid of Frank Clark? Well, you have a decision to make with Anthony Hitchens. You have a lot of decisions coming up in this offseason, no matter how this season plays out. And you're going to have to figure out what you need to do. And if he Fs this up, he needs to go. Well, I'm not going to lie. The- I- go ahead. Well, okay. So, first of all, it doesn't have to be one or the other when talking about the talent and the coaching. Like, I think it's a combination of both. I think Steve Spagnuolo is making a lot of mistakes. And I, but I don't think that Steve Spagnuolo, I, I don't look, I don't think that it's like all 11 players on the defense just are so dumb that they can't get down Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Um, some of it is talent too, though, too. And some of it is just players and it's on them to get the playbook down and know where to be and stuff. But I mean, it, it, Brett Feach has, Brett Feach has been a horrible drafter. Okay. Like I'll just say that, but he's still given Spags some guys. He's given him some guys and Spags when he refuses to play the guys and when everyone can see that he's playing the wrong guys, but him, like when the fans know, but the defensive coordinator doesn't, that's embarrassing. Like I, I feel said, like he does. He's got to know. There's got to be something it. behind it. I Yeah, I agree. But Dorian O'Daniel, like I said, what do you have to lose? Like put him on the field. Like let's just see what he's got. He showed, he flashed under Bob Sutton in 2018. He closed on his tackles very well. He's an athlete. Just put him in over Ben Neiman. What, what's the worst you could get? I mean, the linebackers have been horrible to this point. Just throw him out there, see what you can get. Juan Thornhill, give him all of Dan Sorensen's snaps. Um, ben Neiman should not see the field. Like I said, even with like uh, Dorian O'Daniel, but that could be Willie Gay instead even. Like just get Neiman off the field completely. And Brett Veach, yeah, I agree with you, Lucas. He's he, he if a head needs to roll, it's got to be him. And I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, he brought." You can't talk bad on the guy that brought us to back-to-back Super Bowls and three straight AFC Championship games. Look, he inherited John Dorsey's team, and I I've asked this question to my listeners, and I'll do it again. Name the cornerstone players that Brett Veach has drafted. If I asked you right now, and exclude this draft. Because he, he's gotten progressively better drafting. We got to give him that. This year he's be, got two guys that have that are gonna be cornerstones, and that's Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey. But I but the I thing is, is it's it's a very small sample size, though. Like yeah. even I I want to exclude those guys because they're still very, very new. Um, because like Legarius Need, and I, I'm not saying Legarius Need is gonna be a bust or anything, but we're seeing now with a bigger sample size in 2021 as opposed to 2020 when everyone thought Brett Beach stole him in the fourth round. He's been pretty bad this year and i know it goes back to the pass rush and he doesn't have a pass rush and that makes i don't it harder, think he's but- been that bad though mike hughes has looked significantly worse i think sneed is sneed's not sneed in the fourth round is still a very very good pick my point just we we, we could nitpick all yeah, day about who's good and who's bad but here, here's my thing brett veach he's everyone talks about how he brought this team to back-to-back Super Bowls. I thought he inherited a rising team. Look at who who's a player on this team that Brett Veach drafted that you legitimately think deserves a, a lucrative second contract beyond the rookie deal. There is not a single one. The None. guys this year. Yeah. And I know you said they're still new, but it would be the guys this year. Yeah. If you were to pick one, it, it would be one of his newest draft picks. Trey on Smith, Creed Humphrey. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, beyond that, 
there, there's nothing. None I would at say Legereus Knee would be probably my third, but I, I, I think smokes. really quickly to play some devil's advocate here. I, I don't think you know you can't pick a a superstar that Brett Veach has drafted, but he did finish the job that Dorsey couldn't, and we got to give him some credit for that. Brett Veach was able to put good enough of a defense on the field to win a Super Bowl. He might not be great now, but he did finish the job. Now, when it ter- when it comes terms of building long-term success, I get that, and I get why people are upset. But we also got to keep in mind, Brett Veach did get enough of the pieces. I'm not saying like he drafted the cornerstones or uh, anything like that, but he did sign some of those cornerstones, and he also was able to draft guys um, that were able to at least fill in on a championship team or pick up a guy like Mike Pinnell, who was pretty big in 2019. So it's just like I get why we're frustrated, and I'm not saying that his job is the safest in the world. And the I know Lucas is, Lucas is looking at his free agents right now. I do understand that. But you got to give him some credit for what he did. Like The highlights of his tenure are, are re-signing John Dorsey players. I, literally, those are the yeah. highlights of his tenure. And if he has to rebuild the defense again this offseason, like I said – I don't think he should be the GM to do it because this was his defense that he just rebuilt two off seasons ago. And it's already a problem again. To me, that shows that he was not the right guy the first time. I just think that there's this to me, this all comes back and that's why I'm not overly concerned because I think being understanding like at least what it's like to be in a locker room and how things function. I think these guys are going to figure it out as a team. And they, they're not blind to like what fans and people like us are saying. I mean, they're just not. And I think that they'll figure it out. And it, this will end up being a salvable year where, yeah, we may not win the AFC West, but we're going to make the, we'll make the playoffs. And I just think for me, though, it comes down to like, to create longevity, it really truly shows how well the Patriots were able to do what they did. And it's, it's just because they had the ability to draft and plug guys in, sign the free agents that they needed to sign that were contributors and just did what they had to do. Like the Patriots have had solid defenses when they've had Tom Brady. And that's the, why the Patriots had a dynasty. Their offense was what, never great. Yeah. And they just knew well, they just the clicked. Yeah. They just clicked and did what they had to do. And I think to me, that just shows that this defense, if they can apply any form of pressure, go get guys that can at least, you know, do anything from a, a, a front four pre- applying pressure to a quarterback. This defense is actually probably top 15. I really, truly believe this cornerback group is very, very good. I think, you know, if you're uh, if you're getting to the quarterback, like some of the like the Buffalo Bills can apply pressure with just four guys this defense is way better than what it is. And I think that just to me, eventually we might see that if Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and then with Willie Gay being healthy and like, we start getting everything kind of back into a, a, a flow where everybody's playing together. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that's where we'll start to see some average. I'm not saying we're going to be top 15 anymore by no means, but top 20, I still think is feasible. Well, <coughs> And going Excuse back me. to Brett Veach real quick, I mean, there's still a tiny, tiny part of me that feels like he is taking all the bullets for Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, the whole coaching yeah. staff. Because if I do, we honestly think that Brett Veach is sitting there in the press box watching these games and going, you know what, Dan Sorensen deserves another contract. Like even yeah. before Veach became the GM, 
Sorensen was always him. Andy's guy. But that's you really, sign here's, here's the thing. Who re- here's the thing, Lucas. Signed. Here's the thing, Lucas. Do we do do you think that when Beach signed him, Andy was in that room and signed off on it? Do you think that Andy Reid signs off on almost every single move, if not all of them, that Brett Beach makes? And that's where I am having a problem too, is I think there's politics in the locker room. The coaches have way too much of a say. The balance of power in the organization leans far too much in Andy's favor. And he's the one telling Veach, hey, we want Sorensen back. Make sure you find a way to bring him back. Because do we, I, I, I'm one of the biggest you know, skeptics of Brett Veach and his talent evaluation. But do we honestly think Veach is watching these same games we're all watching and going, yes. you know what, Sorensen deserves another contract. I just, I don't know, man. No, I think he's, he's banging he's his head sure off the damn table. He's for sure not saying we should be playing Sorensen over Juan Thornhill, the guy that I invested a top 100 here's, pick in. Here's the thing is he, he can do all that, but the thing is, is then his job's at risk. And so when it comes truthfully down to it, I think he's the one that's got to finally – he's going to have to put his foot down because if not – He needs to be the, doing it now. He, he who's going to be the first one to go? Is it going to be Andy Reid or is it going to be Brett Veach? It's Brett. Be it's Brett. Here's the thing, here's the thing though. If you do not do what Andy says, you're gone. Anything that Andy wants, it's going to happen. Andy Reid's got that power. If you do not please Andy Reid, he doesn't need you that much. He'll just let you go. I, and I think that's I think that's a little bit of why Dorsey got fired too, is because he started going rogue a little bit, and there was a there was there was a shift a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he he cut Jeremy Macklin without even telling anybody. That guy went complete rogue. He freaking drank some poison water. But, Holy smokes. But yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's a tough scenario. But Brett Veach, I'm telling you right now, if I'm him, I'm walking into uh, Reed and Spagnuolo's offices tomorrow and saying, guys, what the hell do we have to do? Because I, I drafted players. And again, I'm one of the biggest skeptics of Brett Veach's drafting. But I've drafted guys like Juan Thornhill. I've drafted guys like Willie Gay. What the heck is going on? Yeah, I just think when and, and you know I've been writing articles for covering a lot of teams now, and a lot of what I go back and look at are their most recent drafts, probably for the last like five to eight years. And I get the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, have at least for the last two to three years have been drafting more towards the bottom. I completely understand that, but if you go back and look at some of the other teams who are in that relative range, were able to just dominate drafts it really starts to raise flags for me on the evaluation of talent and the ability to actually scout and go and see what the players are doing, not only in college, but what type of player they truly are. I don't, the biggest thing for me too on this defense is the fact that we don't have like actual dogs on this defense. Like that was the whole reason why we brought in Fred Clark and Tyron Matthew. Like I think Tyron Matthew has that. But when we suck and we can't do anything, like what's that dog mentality going to do? Nothing, because nobody's getting hyped. Frank Clark, nobody – I guarantee you nobody listens to that guy. They don't believe a word he says I've anymore. been saying that. you know, And, and so and, uh, they, they, they just don't have that attitude that like we saw last night when Ed Oliver's trying to take out Patrick Mahomes at the ankles. We see Jordan Poirier absolutely blow up Travis Kelsey when it didn't matter. Like those guys play with an attitude – and they're, they're like almost savages because of it. Like, we don't have anybody that does that. Nobody. Yeah. And I think, to me, that is something that is just lacking across the board on this defense. Like, and just even the team in general. Like, Patrick Mahomes, 
I think he can get them hyped up, but to some degree, Travis Kelsey can get in your face and say something to some degree. Tyree kills. Not that guy. Like there's just not, there's not that soft. Yeah. There's nobody Justin Houston or Eric Berry on this team that people are like, when that guy says it, I believe every word he says, and I'm going to do it because he said it. Like there's just not that mentality. And there are so many Chiefs fans to this day that disrespect Eric Berry and they disrespect Justin Houston because of what the team did while Frank Clark and while Tyron Matthew were on roster here. When those guys were vocal leaders themselves, they act like we had zero of that before those guys came in here, which is not true whatsoever. And I'm not saying this to like dog on Tyron Matthew. It's more, this is more of me going after Frank Clark again. Okay. Like I I'm with Lucas. No one listens to Frank Clark. Like, I'm sorry. Stop letting these Twitter check marks blow smoke up your ass. That Frank Clark is this vocal leader and his culture is so valuable. Like, yeah, thanks for that culture last night. Frank Clark did so much for us. Just stop. No is, one listens it, to him. It, he uh, has two gun charges. Not, has, I was going to say, I'm not even going to say that. You know, he that's from, just he had two football. gun charges. He had. Oh, I'm going to finish this real quick. This yeah. time, he had two gun charges. He is the highest paid player on this team and has completely underperformed. Do you th- honestly think that people listen to him at practice, knowing that going? Why is this guy making so much more money than me for doing absolutely nothing? I think, think he's more, players don't catch on to that. I think he's more of like a friend now instead of that leader. And I think like people would still view him as a friend and like that buddy. But I just don't. I don't think that they take him seriously. And I think for me now what I'm seeing, because I do think there were times where he was actually trying to be a good football player and it just wasn't working out. I don't think he cares. Now, exactly. I just think he's going through the motions because outside of maybe He knows he's gone. Yeah, and outside of like two plays last night, it just seemed like he would would do the same thing and like we're used to. He would kind of do like this bull rush type thing. He would get caught up by the tackle. He'd stand around, maybe fizzle around, do a circle move, and that's it. And that every time, the only time I saw him do anything was he tackled Josh Allen on a ball that got released late. It was, I can't remember what quarter it was. And then obviously the roughing the passer call. Outside of that, he was never close to Josh Allen. And they left him on an island all night, too. Let's let's remember that this is a defensive line that didn't have any other, and I'm not saying Frank Clark is a star, but some people think of him that way still. There was no other stars on this D-line, so if they really wanted to, they could have doubled and triple teamed Frank Clark all they wanted to. They left him on an island all night and said, we trust our guy to win that matchup, and he oh, did. Oh, yeah, and that's not the first time. I mean, when he's no, played, what other game did he play in that they did the exact same thing? I think he played against the Ravens, but it, I, I don't know, like... It's just, and, and honestly, maybe that's Spags. Hey, maybe motivate your guys. Cause I, I, I mean, you can't motivate a guy that just doesn't care. Like, l- let's be honest. And uh, I don't really want to get on a Frank Clark grant. Cause that's just like every video on kingdom crew <laughs> podcast. But um, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of issues and the question is, are they going to get addressed? I, I think that unfortunately it's a little too late for that. I mean, maybe, Maybe they get better marginally on defense and maybe their offense cleans up the turnovers. But even then, I, I think that last night, and I said this in my post game, I think last night kind of signified that, hey, this this Chiefs team is no longer the best. Now, I still believe that they could beat anyone on any given Sunday because they still have the firepower. But being realistic here, the Buffalo Bills imposed their will on this Chiefs It looked like the 20 plays where the Chiefs just did whatever they wanted to do. And I I just don't think that, you know, and, and last year I had this mentality and a lot of people thought that I was just arrogant. 
I feel like this Chiefs team last year wasn't going to lose. Like they just, they had that demeanor like, oh my gosh, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to go out there and they're going to put 40 points. Their defense is going to hold you to 20. You're not going to win. Like opposing teams, I feel like didn't go into a Chiefs game thinking that they were going to win. And this year, I, I think it's completely different. I think that everyone no one is afraid of the Chiefs. Why no would you be afraid, afraid of a team? Anymore. Why would but you see, be afraid of a team I'm, that's giving up 32 points a game? I don't get it. I think I think what you guys are saying though is a little bit. I think they are afraid of them because you're getting almost like A type games from every team we've played so far. I mean, truthfully, you look at it, the Cleveland Browns, look how that first game went. The the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they have a they had a vendetta out against the Kansas City Chiefs because of how many times we've beat them. The Chargers are in our division. The Eagles, obviously. Andy Reid's 100th win. Like, got the, each one of these teams is trying to play the Kansas City Chiefs because they are the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills had a vendetta because of the AFC Championship. Stephon Diggs sat out there and was the only player to sit out there and watch the celebration. Like, each one of these teams. Now, Washington, I mean, they're going to play us because we're the Chiefs. The Titans have a vendetta against us. Like, I, Green Bay Packers, they, Rodgers is like, um, I'm going to show this young kid who who really is the MVP. Like, but the thing Those is, there's like, a difference between having a vendetta and having fear. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, here's I, the other side of it, though. Like, we we keep saying this and that every team is giving the Chiefs their best shot, which I believe they are, of course. But um, in, in the Chiefs, we hear them say this every week. Even Tyron Matthew reiterated it last night. You know, every team wants to beat us. We're every team's Super Bowl. Well, why don't the Chiefs play like it? Because they seem to not they, – they, they don't prepare. It's even worse play. that you know that every team's going to give your best. And you're just like, eh, all right. Yeah, well, and you like, still get run off your own field. Yeah, I think that for me, I think the toughest part of last night for me was the fact that it was in Arrowhead. And I think, like, it just was unfortunate because the weather situation. And, Josh, you were there. It looked like on TV that maybe half the fans returned after the rain delay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because well, – and here's another thing too. One of the most demoralizing feelings is when, um, you know, we're getting loud on every third down. I mean, you guys know how it is. You've been to games before you get loud and you, you can feel it. The crowd is so loud and you really feel like you're having an effect on the game because of how loud you are. And you're, you're cheering for this defense to get off the field and <laughs> it, they get them, they get them in a third and long. Everyone is loud as hell. And they give up like a 50 yard reception. down field. It's the most demoralizing. Dawson Knox just mossed Rashad Fenton just fucking goes up and just eats it for 50. Like it's just, that was Dan. He didn't, he didn't do my boy Fenton like that. I think he? he did. I think he did once, but that's because Knox was an incredible last night. Like he had a yeah. really, really good game. Well, he's, he's a really good tight end. I mean, he's, he he's been low key having good seasons like this for uh, maybe not as many touchdowns, but he's been one of Josh Allen's big targets in the red zone. Yeah. I, I almost think that like last night kind of signified like the Buffalo bills are the team to beat in the AFC and it's not the chiefs anymore. And Hey, maybe, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe the chiefs are not going to feel like got to go out there and, and literally like carry the weight of everything on our shoulders. And maybe they can just go out there and play football because, you know, I, I think that a lot of the problems on offense are coming from Patrick Mahomes. Who's like, I need to throw a 50 point touchdown right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just, it's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. It'll never happen. And I think that the sooner this team gets back to the fundamentals, I mean, let's look at it on defense. They can't tackle. They can't stay on their man. It's just assignment issues. 
once they get down to the nitty gritty and they just learn to do their job and, and perfect that, they're going to be okay. But, you know, I've stated this over and over and over again. You don't have the luxury of time to figure it out. The, the, this division is too good. And who knows, with the rest of the AFC being as, as loaded as it is, you might not have the time to figure it out in the wild card either. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure it out. You're already at three losses. Like, usually I think the benchmark for teams where it's like, all right, you're pretty much out of the playoff picture is six losses. They're already halfway there. Now it's a little bit different with the 17th game now, but they're already halfway to six losses through five weeks. They got to go on a stretch. They got, they got to prove some things like, I think that you've got a your next game, Washington. I think you play the Titans after. Say that again. Yeah, I still believe that this team can go twelve and five. If their defense, because if you believe it, because here's the thing too with the Buffalo Bills. I wrote an article on, like I said, on them today. They literally are tied for the easiest schedule for the remaining of the year. Um, so but does it matter Buffalo, though? I mean, for them, it will because they beat the Chiefs, and so they're probably more than likely that they don't play the Chargers. So, if they can find a way to surpass, they're going to be the number one seed. Um, I mean, they played Dolphins, Jacksonville, they got to play their division, which is probably the weakest division in the AFC. So, they're, they're literally going to coast. And, and again, it's if they cause problems, it's going to be because of their own, their own fault. The Chiefs. On the other hand, have one of the toughest. I think they're actually tied for second in toughest remaining schedule. So I think to me, it also comes down to like trials and tribulations and how you like who you play in this season kind of helps out when it comes to the playoffs. And like if the Chiefs can turn it around and figure some of this stuff out and at least make the playoffs, I think that at least bodes well for what this team's kind of endured. I mean, we have gone but to back to back Super Bowls. And it's that's taxing on guys who play. I mean, it really is. And I'm not making excuses. I'm really not. But it's tough. It really is like any like each one of these teams each year is trying to get better. Their whole goal is to win a Super Bowl. And so each one of these teams have gotten better. Like we've seen like a lot of the teams in the NFC are just dominating and the AFC is kind of like starting to take a back seat. And like, I don't know. The the Buffalo Bills lost to the Steelers 23 to 16. Are the Steelers really even that good? And I mean, no. They lost 23 to 16. They put up 16 points. Outside of that, they've played the Chiefs. So They kicked their ass though, Lucas. They And I get that. Us. I do. I do. And I I admitted that last night on and I said that they definitely need to figure <laughs> some stuff out. I agree. It was man, it was it was tough to watch when and you could, I think that one of the toughest things for me too is on that fumble of Patrick Mahomes, which I know Josh wants to transition to offense. I know we've been doing this for 50 minutes, but defense is awesome to talk about when they're so bad, but, but continue. I, I felt like <laughs> when Patrick Mahomes fumbled that ball, it's just like he gave up. Like I get that he was looking off and, and maybe doing a cadence or something, but the way he just kind of like let that ball just go to the defense after it kind of got kicked around, it's just like he was like, half eh, whatever. This game's over with. And I think for me, that was most frustrating. Can you blame him, though? Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can. <laughs> um, I $500 million. You, I mean, I can't believe any of us took the bait this past offseason that this team 
was the deepest in the Reed era. They have that's zero that's depth. the thing though, and I will always I will always defend my initial boing. Uh, yeah. We have we have no reason. We had no reason to believe this. Where do they downgrade? Anywhere. Where? It's because the Chiefs overvalue their own players and we buy it every single year. Jerron Reed sucks. The Seahawks <laughs> cut him for a reason. He wasn't living up to his contract <laughs> in Seattle. We pick him up. We pick him up. He's not good, and everyone is surprised. He was out on the open market that late into the offseason for a reason. Now, I'm not saying he's one of the those like fourth or fifth wave free agency guys that nobody wanted because there were definitely multiple teams in on him, but there was a reason the Seahawks cut him is my point. We go out and get him. Byron Pringle, how many how many puff pieces did we see on Byron Pringle and you know how he can step up and be wide receiver too? He is nowhere near a wide receiver too. Byron Pringle has sucked so far this year. He had one good play against the Ravens. Outside of that, he's been terrible. The Chiefs, I'm just, they overvalue their own players. And for as much credit as we give to Brett Veach for rebuilding the offensive line and stuff like that, it seems like he only really addresses these problems when they stick out like a sore thumb so bad to the point, like you can't not do anything like Yes, I give him some credit for the O-line turnaround that he did this offseason, and I thought we got a lot of depth along the O-line, but why did it take Patrick Mahomes getting banged around for four quarters in the Super Bowl for you to finally start drafting O-line depth? Like The only investment they made in O-line before that was Lucas Niang in the third round in 2020. They drafted that a was fourth... just preparing for Schwartz yeah. to retire. Yeah, they drafted a fourth-string defensive tackle in Colin Saunders over Connor McGovern, one of the best offensive linemen in the league for the Cowboys. Like, that stuff that just, man, it really makes you cringe at the entire each tenure. But I, I, I think I think the Chiefs, they, they overvalue their own players. And honestly, I'm pretty close to wanting to have the conversation about if Brett Veach got the right guys at tackle or not because Niang and Brown have struggled. As of recent, yeah, I don't know if I want to sign Brown long term. Well, if it helps you anymore, Eric Fisher got demolished tonight. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that wasn't good. So I don't think he's doing any worse than who we had. But the thing is, though, is like, and here's here's where is the money going to come from when you get rid of Frank Clark? All right, you're going to clear up some. Does that even clear up any cap space? Or are you going to be eating yeah, dead cap? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You can well, you're still gonna have some dead money, but um they saved like fourteen or fifteen million cutting him this offseason. Oh, and then if they wait you. till post June. And Hitchens is gone too. To yeah, Hitchens, Hitchens is gone. Be- LDT will probably be gone. Like they'll have some money to work with, but a lot of it is gonna immediately end up going to Brown and Matthew, assuming they get re-signed. Well, actually I want- hold on. Matthew, his his cap hit will actually be lowered if they extend him, but he will still get paid later down the line. So yeah, it'll be a pushback like they did this last one. It's just like right. how much can we kick the can down the road because something else is going to suffer. Like, and, and I've always kind of had this mentality in the Mahomes era. Like, okay, you've got the offensive line. I think the weapons are out all right enough. Throw money and throw draft picks into the defense, man. Because Mahomes can Mahomes can win with a top ten defense and Byron Pringle as your number three. Like that, that you can win like that. But when you have a defense. That is so bad, historically bad. You, it doesn't matter. Like the team is going to struggle. Like I, I think that everything should be invested in the defense, and Mahomes can figure it out on offense. Now that might be an arrogant thing to say, but like defense still at the end of the day wins championships. 
I mean, there's I just, a reason. Continue. I feel Sorry. Like Veach is a really reactionary GM. I feel like, and his most recent example in the wide receivers, like they should have made a move at receiver or a bigger investment in receiver long before they picked up Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, even though I think he'll be good here, was a desperation signing after you realized your receivers weren't good. Which, hey, Juju broke his hand. Get him next year. His his yeah. contract, it's not going to be much at all. I think you could yeah. pick him up, and he'd be, he'd be a good number two. And, and I think that – but at, at the same time, though, I don't really care about the offense when your defense is this bad. Like – you could sign all the – I think Brett Veach, his biggest downfall is offensively. I think he cares too much about the offense and not – I think he just neglects the defense. And I, I'd rather him see – I'd rather us see him com- – like, did he really completely overhaul the defense or was it more just like tuning it up with like players that really were past their prime? Well, like I said, looking back now – um, there's so many moves we could have made differently. And again, I think he's a, a reactionary GM. I thought, you know, there were guys out there on the open market back in 2018 when the defense was that bad that I feel like would have been a step up from what they had and they just refused to get anybody. I know there was the reported deal in place for Earl Thomas and that would have been huge, but obviously that never happened. And that's a criticism of Veach that I have is that there never seems to be a backup plan for anything. Like once Earl Thomas broke his leg and that deal was off the table, what the heck was the backup plan? when you knew the defense mm-hmm. sucked. Yeah. You're seeing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although and, I, I'm looking at, real quick while we got this, I'm looking at 2022 free agents. And, good. you know, one of the guys that got franchise tagged that I was hoping we could get this year would be like an Allen Robinson. Uh, You know, Jesse Bates is going to be available. Jamal Adams. Some of these guys I think franchise tag. Jamal but Adams kind of sucks though. Stefan <laughs> Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore could be there for us to then pick up in a free agent instead of a trade, depending on if they sign him. I mean, there's honestly like the edge that one of the guys that I'm seeing now that I'm like, holy smokes, is Hassan Reddick. He's 27. We could have had old. him this past off season. I know, but I'm just see- using him as an example. He's actually in the top five yeah, for no, sacks I don't disagree. right now. Where'd he go? And, uh, he's with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, like there's guys out there that could easily like make this team just that much a little bit better, but there is a lot of guys. Like I would love to see like Calais Campbell come to the Kansas City Chiefs, but I retire he, or am I just? He's playing right now things. for the Ravens. He actually. I'm thinking of uh, Shelby. Uh, I can't even remember. If Broncos guy just retired. I can't remember. Um, I don't know. But, but defensively, but like, like, I don't know what you're thinking of. It's not like about to. But like Robbie Anderson's <laughs> gonna be available. Like Robbie Anderson would be a great number two for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, so I think that they have the ability need- to to get guys. It's just they have to, to they have to be smart with their money and not go make elaborate trades to go sign guys like Frank Clark. Like let things develop and like draft, draft actual guys that can play. Like use your first well, and like the end. end. Well, Michael said like he cares about the offense too much, and a lot of resources are allocated in the offense. <laughs> what playmakers has Veach drafted for the offense? McCole Hardman. I mean that he. 
He's been and a huge disappointment this I, year. I guess what I mean by that is like he spent all the money in the well, I guess twenty five percent went to the defensive line. He spent a lot of money on the offense, whether it's ninety five million. Ninety five million is in that defense. What's our cap? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I can't remember, but I know like ninety five. Like I think it's hundred or something like that. Well, it didn't it drop to like one ninety this year? Yeah, it, something like that. So. Isn't yeah, the, I mean, it's going to go up next. Yeah, it's supposed to go up pretty a decent amount just because of the rebound of the pandemic year. Yeah, and the they're projecting is... like 210, I think, like kind of what Josh was saying, because it dropped. It was projected to go up even more. But then with the pandemic, it fell to like 185, 190. And so then they're kind of anticipating it coming back to the year prior to the pandemic. So I want to touch on one more thing. Um looking at the offensive side of the bill. Clyde edwards um, good thing his injury wasn't all that serious. Uh, he'll only be out for a few weeks, but to me, it's, sound kind, happy. Of a, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because oh my God, I want to see... <laughs> I want to see Jarek McKinnon. I, I think Daryl Williams is better. I'm sorry. Clyde edwards hilaire is so painfully average, dude. He goes down at first contact all the time. He has no burst whatsoever. Did you guys see that end around last night? Where no, they I definitely. I'll agree with that. He doesn't it have any burst. It could have went for a first down, and he got like two yards. And this is a guy you took in the first round. And I, you know, I said it earlier today. What is Clyde edwards hilaire that like prime Spencer Ware couldn't do? But here, here's the again, Josh. Exactly what you're saying comes back to Brett Veach. Could he have drafted Jonathan Taylor? Yes. Could he have drafted DeAndre Swift? Hey, yes. but let me ask you a question though. What if Mahomes was the one that wanted Clyde? No, and he did. He did, and I and I get that. But I'm still saying like, so could, is Mahomes' evaluation of talent bad? Like, like there's got to be something. No, and, and I and I'm and I'm not. I'm a yeah. I'm advocating for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I still think he's got so much left in the tank, and I think he's figuring out football. And I think that there is a lot of pressure being a first round pick and well, and, and stuff just, like that. But I agree with some of the stuff Josh is saying. I just also think that the this offense when he was drafted wasn't advocated on him rushing. 25 times and getting a hundred yards each time it was based on him being able to run screen passes dump offs quick slants line up as a receiver you know do options do things all kinds of light stuff like that it wasn't designed for him to catch you know run the ball the way they do i think that they have an, a vision for a daryl williams to kind of take that role on that's why we're seeing him get a lot of goal line touches but clyde's yeah. design was to be that catching back the the ability to be shifty and and do what he's supposed to do. It's just I think they're relying on him too much to run the football. He honestly doesn't make that many guys miss either. He's doesn't really have that. And, and you know he he was too short. He was too short to catch the screen pass last night. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, that play, I, but yeah. they threw him a pass that was going to be a screen, and he was too short to catch the ball, and that happens way too much. And that's what I'm saying, that I think Mahomes isn't quite comfortable throwing him the ball. But here's the thing with Clyde. You you wasted a first-round pick on this guy, and that kind of stuff catches up because it's not – look at the boxes the Chiefs are getting. If you have Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey back there, they're destroying – that defensive look. I mean, they they 
if he if those running backs are getting those boxes, they are destroying the defense. Clyde the problem Edwards is though, is those running advantage. backs don't get those boxes because they're elite. Like we're talking about the elite of the elite. Like I I think, and you know, going back to like Brett Veach and his inability to draft superstars, he hasn't drafted superstars, but I would say he's drafted solid players. Clyde's not a bad football player. He might not be a great football player. He's not a bad football player. Miko Hartman isn't a great football player, but he's not a terrible football player. I mean, I understand that he, we we have our gripes and, and concerns with all these players. And don't get me wrong, there's the Breland Speaks of the world, but he is drafted solid <laughs> talent. Like, he, he hasn't given you, like, a lot of Traymond Smiths, if you know what I mean. What a reference, Michael. What a reference. Yeah, Although, I just... man, I tell you, that's crazy. It's, cra- it's crazy for me to think, though. Like, I, I just th- I think he has every intention to be good at what he's doing. I just think Brett Veach is just struggling mightily. And I, I just can't. I, I, as a person viewing, like, how we're looking at it now, I just can't get off of how he's done. Like, I just, I just can't. I think there's been times where he's could have he's overpaid some guys a little bit. I understand you want to get certain guys here. I've seen more people say that he's way overpaid for Joe Tooney, and some of that money could have been allocated elsewhere. Um, I just think mm-hmm. that he's wasted a few years of free agency just because he's been yeah. satisfied and hasn't really pushed guys in. Like this is the first year I think he's created some tremendous depth on that offensive line to where if injuries do happen, we're plugging guys right in. Like when Joe Tooney went down last night, I feel, I felt confident enough plugging in a left guard that could have been at least feasible. That would have been good. It's just the fact that he, like you said, he's focused so much on that offense to try to fix it, that it's almost like, Hey, I think we're okay on the defense this year. I think we'll be okay. And it's, it's not anywhere close to that. And, and again, it goes back to him drafting. He drafted Mike Dana, so is he pushing more for Mike Dana to play? And he's like, "Hey, Chris, you can play defensive end. We believe in Kalen Saunders. We believe in this guy. We believe in Wharton because have we even seen Wharton play hardly at all this year? No. And it's just like we we don't we see- haven't seen any of the defensive tackles if we're being quite honest. Yeah, and we're just like, hey, we're I want I believe in these guys, but then you don't you don't play them and. I don't know. That's for me is just I it'll always come back to him to me. And I think, you know, again, maybe that partially is Andy's fault because Andy's the final sayer. And but it's just, man, yeah, from, you know, to be honest, guys, I think Clark Hunt is the one that's got to be questioning what's going on. I mean, he's the one that sits up in that box and has to, you know, watch this crap. I'm not going to lie. And I'm going to say this in the nicest possible way, because I hope he's my future employer. But. I think Clark Hunt doesn't really know the game of football as well as a lot of us do. And that that could sound arrogant and, and stuff like that, but like I think he sees the Frank Clarks and, and, and I, I think he still believes that a lot of this is changeable. Like, oh, like we'll we'll figure it out. I don't think I don't think that he's going to dare to challenge Andy Reid. I don't think he's gonna do that. Why would he do that? Here's the thing, guys. Um it's his I was money. at I was at the game. Yep, exactly. I was at the game last night. There was an uncomfortable amount of Bills fans there, and they just got their ass kicked by the Bills at home. When Arrowhead ticket sales start going down, I guarantee you Clark Hunt is going to step in because then it starts affecting him. And it's happened. I mean, those years where we were just dog crap, like 
the the Eric Fisher draft, like the year prior to Eric Fisher. Oh yeah, 2012 was really there was zero (laughs) fans there. Like you could get tickets for cheap. Like cut it out off the side of a milk carton and go to the game. Like that bad. And and I just remember that. And I'm sure those types of games are, or you know, just that mentality. I'm I'm sure Clank would Clark would be in that in no in a heartbeat. Like he would be all over them. Yeah, he will be soon enough if they don't step up. I mean, like, don't be surprised. Like I said, when it starts affecting ticket sales, Clark Hunt is going to start getting Nancy. Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, he he wants to make money, but I think that, you know, I think he sees this team as kind of like his baby that can do no wrong, um, especially with the Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reeds and the back-to-back Super Bowls and stuff like that. Uh, maybe a year of not making the playoffs or or something like that would kind of change the tides a little bit, but I don't know. I just, I can't see him stepping up and, and, and I quite frankly, because I, I don't think he knows the game that well, but I, I also don't think that a lot of general managers, general managers, I don't think a lot of owners know the game that well. I mean, if they knew the game that well, they probably wouldn't be the owner. They would they'd probably try to be somewhere up in the, in the position of like a GM or something like that. But well, there's a lot of owners that truly don't care. There's a lot of owners that truly don't care, like Stan Kroenke of the Rams, who I made a video on in that whole lawsuit. Like he truly does not care how good the team. I will does. give that to Clark. But, Clark Hunt cares. He does to, care. Clark Hunt cares. Like yeah, he does care. Like he's he's almost like one of us. Like yeah, I agree with you, Michael. I don't think Clark Hunt is going on PFF and looking up Dan Sorensen's grade and he's on Twitter <laughs> and up. breaking down. He the, might. Yeah. After but last he, night, but he, he sees might. The, he sees the game. He sees the game. He's like a little kid that just like he he's a fan, just like all of us too. Yeah. So like he he he's not gonna go in depth on his anal- analysis when he talks to Reed and Veach and all those guys, but like he knows what bad football looks like. I think what the better way to describe what I was trying to portray is I think that his eternal optimism is not a good thing. He he's a very optimistic guy. Maybe that's what you need to be as an owner of a football team, but you know, optimism only goes so far. And at some point you got to be real. Like the, the, the we're going to go to the Super Bowl every year and like, do this, this is all right. That sounds great. But like, how are we going to do that? Like, you know what I mean? I think the goals, I think the goal should be to at least make the playoffs every year. And I think that they're getting to the point where they're putting a lot of pressure on them to at least repeat and go back to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, I I think for me, even if they have a down year, if they make the playoffs and say they lose in the AFC Championship this year, I would still consider that a win year because I would be mind blown. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, if this team with the defense that they currently have, if they got to the AFC Championship game, Patrick Mahomes down. should win the MVP. Like, let's be honest. Today and he awesome. still can. I know, like, people are going to be down on him because he just played one of his worst games as a Chief. But let's. He's got 17 uh, touchdowns, man. But, but <laughs> he's got let's so not forget. Many. Let's not forget. 11th. Aaron Rodgers got blown out. I think it was at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. He It was one of his worst games ever. I, I think they lost by, like, 28 points. And he still ended up winning MVP. So Mahomes could nah, still you start, win MVP. That's how you finish. Look at Russell Wilson. The dude's, like, right. the MVP through eight weeks. And. He just decides to forget how to play football, but you know. Yeah, man, I tell you though, if you look at Josh Allen's stats, man, Josh, I mean, dude's a and it's just not Josh Allen this year either. It's it's across the board. Like Tom Brady's having a tremendous year. Like, uh, my bet's Kyler Murray. That dude's been phenomenal. Kyler had, you know, I I like I like Kyler, but he definitely had a down game yesterday. Man, they they could have easily dominated the 
the 49ers and they just slacked. I know we're getting off a little bit, but yeah, yeah, man, I tell you though, like Mahomes is still in the race. Like, I mean, it's, oh yeah, he'll it's always com- be in the race. He's Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's tremendous to see even what he's got now, even after throwing those interceptions. It's like holy smokes, like Mahomes is the real deal. Yeah, he's got 17 touchdowns to someone like that. Like he's. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I, I think the offense, like I said before, I think the offense is going to figure it out. Um, I think that, you know, oh, this is something that I wanted to say. I was listening. I think it was Seren Petro that someone is going to step up. There's there's too many guys in the organization to settle for mediocrity on the defensive side of the ball. Someone's going to step up. Uh, it might be Tyron Matthew says, hey, Dan, your ass is on the bench tonight. You're not get, you're not coming in. And if you if you come in, I'm walking off the field like the, they're. Yeah, like there, there's going to be someone that's got to step up and make something because, like, let's be honest here. Um, if they don't change this extremely quickly, we're going to have a mutiny on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> like, you think guys are going to want to play for Spags when he's just putting guys in a position to get exposed? Like, I- I'm not going to lie. Juan Thornhill has every right in the world to be like, guys, trade me. Like, yeah. you're ruining my career. Like, and maybe God bless him because he hasn't done that yet. Cause I don't, I don't know how you even do that. Like you're ruining this kid's confidence. And I think, sorry, I'm going off on a rant here, but uh, I, I just, I think that it's honestly very surprising as a chiefs fan, seeing this team that I still, or I, I believed had a lot of talent, not even come close to tapping their potential. And that is what's frustrating because like, let's be honest. If this team is playing at their best and the defense is, is clicking and they, with all the guys they brought in, if they're playing, they would win the Super Bowl. They still have that talent, but they just aren't showing it. I just, I don't know. I always say, too, that I think they're, we get mad at them because they can be so much better. But, man, can they be so much better? I just don't know if the talent is there. They, If Jerron Reed pulled his weight and Frank Clark pulled a little bit more of his weight, and like – once you get guys that are not underperforming, like if you raise their game, it'd be different. Like what you can't even say it wouldn't, wouldn't be different. Like I, I just think that we'd be looking. Cause like, again, what is so different about this chief's team than last year's chief's team? I 100%, I 100% believe if you had a fully healthy team last night and you take away the four turnovers, we win that football game. Uh, maybe because uh, they, what they got one on the pick six, which is seven. And I think they scored. Wow, they might have scored on all of them. Actually, they I scored think. on the. Then they they scored at least a field goal. I have to go back and look up on the Pringle fumble. Actually, I think the defense actually stepped up there. I, I do. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. They did. But then they but, intercepted yeah. the. They intercepted on the in the goal line, and they drove down. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's hurting themselves. I remember last year, the only team that could be the Chiefs were themselves, and um, you know. I, I think this year there's a little bit more to that. A lot of these teams have been better, but like think about it though too. Like what you're saying, they would have beat the Ravens. They would have beat the Ravens if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. And then uh, the Chargers, another one. Mahomes throws out. La- last night was the worst Chiefs game that we've seen this season for easily. sure. Because for sure. I, I feel like you know against the Chargers, the defense didn't play great, but they still had a chance to win. It was close. Last night was just like, hey, Buffalo, like, come on in and and basically just do what you do. And they just killed us. Like, I, that was that was the first time in a long time that going into a Chiefs game, I believe that they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but, but 
I think one of those clowns got Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Nah, I just, I just been quiet. I just got knocked out know. like the X factor. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can explain all the turnovers individually, but it gets to a point where you can't explain them all. If that makes yeah. sense. Like they have to fix that. Or else it's going to be, it's just going to be who they are. You could have the Bears 85 defense, and if they're turning the ball over five times, you're not going to win a game. I mean, yeah. If you're putting other teams like the Bills in position to score very easily, they're (laughs) going to score. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. Another thing, and I think we'll we'll talk about this and then we'll wrap it up. Um, But, it was really, I knew it was going to be a long night when I saw that our offense, like a lot of the times they would take 20 minutes to go the length of the field, our offense. And then the bills get the ball. Boom. They score in two minutes. Uh, I know you want to, I know time of possession is important and the chiefs have put together a lot more long methodical drives this year, but the more you continue to do that, the increase, the more you increase your chances of messing up somewhere along the way. And that's what they've done so far. Like Lucas was saying, it they they can't attack this cover two defense that a lot of teams have been giving them, and it forces them to a lot. They have been dinking and dunking more than ever, and a lot of times it's worked for them. They make their way down the field because they have that talent on offense to be able to do that. But at some point, you've got to start getting these chunk plays. You've got to start getting these shots downfield. And they haven't done that so far, and it makes them extend their drives. They have longer drives with more plays, and the more plays you run, again, the more you increase your chances of messing up one of those plays and turning the ball over. And so far, that's what's been happening, is they run so many plays that eventually you're going to mess up, and they mess up. Just cut it loose, man. Just just, just do it. Like, just let... I, I think my biggest thing, and I, I, I now I'm thinking about this from last night, I think that the big difference from this year's Mahomes that we've seen in in years prior is Mahomes is staying in the pocket and just kind of waiting and and waiting and waiting and waiting. And he's waiting for his receivers. He's not rolling out. I want to see Mahomes roll out and spread the field. Because guess what? When you got Mahomes scrambling and you're having DBs just like, oh shit, where is he going to go? And then you have Tyreek cut back and he's just wide open. Mahomes getting out to his right or his left spreads the field. It opens guys up. And Mahomes is truly at his best when he's on the run, making something out of nothing. Man, I think he's doing that too much. Really? Yeah, he rushed for well, sixty something yards last night because, and he's taking way too many hits outside the pocket. Well, I'm not, he got I'm not leveled saying a few times like, last night. I'm not saying he has to like run with it. I'm just saying like roll out and it like get out of like. I'm just trying to say that, he's becoming going on is because he's becoming he's uncomfortable. Out, the he's yeah. becoming uncomfortable. Did you see it a couple times last night where uh he rolled out and he just like he he could have ran, but he was hesitating. He wasn't sure if he should throw it, and then he waited too long and he ended up not doing anything and the yeah. play didn't go anywhere. And then there was another time he had a wide open field in front of him. He could have ran for a first down, but he was like, ah, I want to throw, and then he didn't throw it because then no one was open. Then he lost the running lane, and the chief. It was a loss of a down. I mean, yeah. And it seems like he's he's still not comfortable stepping up in the pocket, and we're seeing a very uncomfortable Patrick Mahomes as of lately. I also feel like, and you touched on this too, Josh. Like the sense of urgency on offense isn't there. Like they're almost just like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run it on first down. We'll get like two or three, and then it's second and seven, and then Mahomes can't find anybody. Then it's third and seven. 
Like, dude, you need to attack on first down. And I might think that Mahomes getting out of the pocket, making a play is a good thing. Um, but, you know, even then, like, I, I think that I cannot stand to see any more swing passes, man. Like, yeah. just seeing Mahomes dish it to Daryl Williams in the flat. It's like, dude, g- just do something other than throwing swing passes. I can't stand it anymore. And our running backs aren't the athletes to make those but, plays go for well, long, long Don't gains. Don't you talk about Clyde like that, Josh. <laughs> uh well any uh, anybody else got any more closing thoughts i think we pretty much went over everything yeah chiefs winning the super bowl no i'm kidding <laughs> that have been a great way to end this though um, maybe in madden yeah uh, not with me playing madden but you know maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe we see them uh pull it together you know lucas is saying they're gonna make the playoffs i'm still uh, maybe they like i'm not saying they can't make the playoffs but i want to see I want to see what we do against Washington because if this team comes out and just looks the same, doesn't make any adjustments, I hope Washington kicks our ass. I'm not going to lie because that that just – the unwillingness to learn from your previous mistakes, they don't deserve to win. That's just kind of my thoughts. People have been saying these losses are a wake-up call. Well, how many freaking wake-up calls do they need? These Chiefs have been asleep for a long time then. Yeah. Just hitting snooze on the alarm. Trust me, I do it too, but I'm also (laughs) not getting paid millions of dollars. Uh, not yet, at least. But thanks, you know. bags. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. So, uh, everyone, you can find us here on YouTube. Um, you can find Lucas Murphy at the Beat of KC. Also on Twitter at the Beat of KC. <laughs> Michael Darcy at KC Sports Report on Twitter, and you can subscribe to him here on YouTube. Uh, Casey Sports Support. I'll link all that in the description, but uh, we'll let you guys go. And right after recording, we're going to go on a deep dive through Steve Spagnuolo's emails. We'll see you all in the next one. Mm-hmm.